Hello and welcome to today's episode. Today I am joined with Leo Lords, and we're going to be talking about yoga as a process for overcoming trauma. You are listening to Creating Wellness from Within, a podcast devoted to helping you live your best life through self-care and wellness. In each episode, we strive to offer you actionable advice and tools to help you on your journey towards greater personal wellness. I am your host, Amy Zellmer. I am editor-in-chief of Minnesota Yoga and Life magazine and author of the Chair Yoga Pocket Guide. I am passionate about yoga, wellness, photography, travel, and all things glittery. You can learn more about me at creatingwellnessfromwithin.com. Today, my guest is Leo Lords. And Leo is a globally renowned yoga master and transformational coach who has committed his life to helping clients improve their well-being in their private and professional lives. As the creator of Brahma Yoga and a wellness entrepreneur, he has taught, coached, and shared wisdom with more than 40,000 people globally. He is a motivational speaker and a personal coach for business leaders. He has an avid interest in the ecology and biodiversity of the planet, and he spends time in East Africa each year helping protect endangered wildlife and the rights of indigenous people. In addition to running yoga retreats and wellness festivals globally, he is passionate about songwriting and producing music, climbing mountains, and walking his beautiful beagle, Lamu. And did I say his name right? You want to ask him? Lamu, Lamu. <laughs> I think he's having his he's having think, his siesta. Yep, he is in a ah. deep nap. <laughs> well, well he's, welcome, he's Leo. Thank you, thank you, Amy, for having me, and and to all your guests as well that'll be tuning into this. Yeah, what a pleasure to have you here today. And as we start this conversation, I I I want to mention your beautiful book um, that just arrived at my office a few weeks ago before um, we got this podcast scheduled. And it is so beautiful. I I can't wait to talk about a little bit more and share it um, later in the podcast. But I wanted to make sure we mentioned it right away because it is just this beautiful coffee table book. Um, And I, I was sharing with you earlier, it arrived FedEx in this giant box that weighs about, do you know what your book weighs? Like 20 pounds? Yeah, of course. Of course. Yeah, the, the book, uh, the book uh, A World of Yoga, it weighs uh, 4.6 uh, grams, kilograms, sorry, kilograms. Mm, you're talking to an American here. I don't know how to convert that in my head. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's not, it's not, it's, it's probably, okay, because you love the brain. It's probably a couple of brains together yes yes it's probably both our yes. brains put together is the weight of the book um <laughs> but you know it's funny you were, before before we came onto the show amy and we were just chatting earlier and she was saying hey leo i don't have a coffee table to put it in and i said to her <laughs> you know all you need is a couple of yoga blocks and you can actually use my book as a coffee table we you can need, make it the table use my book right not just <laughs> leave it there being prissy <laughs> yeah it's beautiful all right so Today, our topic is how to use yoga as a process for overcoming trauma. And I'm really excited to dive into this topic today because, I mean, who doesn't have trauma? We all have trauma, whether we want to admit it or not. We all have stored trauma in our bodies. Um, 
So where would you like to start, Leo, on this beautiful topic? You know, first of all, the fact you call it beautiful as a topic is a great thing. It means we, we're starting to look at trauma in, with, through a different lens. Um, in my book I write, often we need to adjust the lens, not the landscape. So oh, most of the time we are trying to fix things out there in the world, trying to fix things with other people, things we don't like about our life, things we would wish other people would behave or in, in different ways. Right. But a lot of these are projections that come from often an injured sense of ego. You know, some of the most successful people I've met are very complex, you know. They're insatiable. Mm -hmm. It's like, imagine they're super happy, you know, achieve everything they have, but there's this burning hunger and it's burgeoning for some and it's it's actually relentless for others. And and you're absolutely right. And when you talk about trauma, everybody goes through it. Not everybody knows. Um, yeah. And the subject of the brain. So some people don't realize they're having a stroke. It's an ischemic mm -hmm. stroke um, where parts of the brain aren't really, we don't really see it being used. So you could have a ischemic you know, stroke and then not realize it until you have a CT scan. And then you realize, oh my God, that's why I've been a bit delayed with my speech. Or that's why, you know, I'm, my, my, I can remember things from the past, but not people's names recently. So we, we treat muscles with the awareness. We sprain a muscle. We kind of we go, oh, you sprain. So, you, hey, you know, take it easy. You know, use a walking stick or, or you, you know, when you have uh, swelling, you know, an inflammation why is that happening? It's the body's way of telling us that, hey, don't do any more damage. We're going to actually restrict movement. I know this pain. The pain is a red light on the traffic light telling you, you know, don't drive. And mm -hmm. we're going to make inflammation in the area that you're injured so you don't do more damage. And then you go through that process of, of healing. And we, we accept that, you know, collectively, individually, that when you're injured in any part of the body, there's a, a convalescence, there's a period. But we have this weird abnormal relationship with the brain the moment yeah. we go oh the brain is it's everything now most yogis would tell you that it's not just the brain you have cells and you have consciousness through every single cell in your body in your gut for example and how the mm -hmm. gut communicates with the brain is fascinating and we've only noticed so much about it so far so i circle around to say that it is good that we are in a position in society where we acknowledge that traumas do occur and there is an impact to the trauma um, and my background started off in Harley Street. Before yoga, I started off um, as a consultant helping with stress management, um, brief therapy, executive coaching, and a very, it's like the Rodeo Drive of therapists, you know, number 10 Harley <laughs> Street. Imagine a Harry Potter film, you know, you go in yep. the chandeliers, and, and here I was as a young 20-year-old, surrounded by a lot of older people thinking I was too young, you know, what am I doing there? And I remember being there and noticing from that very young age and how people deal with pain. And I used to really be like a sponge when I sit in the coffee area, I'd ask psychotherapists and psychoanalysts and dream work uh, people and you know people that were dealing with all kinds of um, matters of the brain. And I learned a lot about trauma through those conversations about the, their patients and their clients. And ultimately, my view is that with trauma, it can be one of the greatest gifts you've ever had it's horrible to go through. It's horrible. I'm sure some of those that are listening say, hey, you, mister, with your beagle. and your <laughs> I think you might not be quite the one to discuss it. But trust me, I've been through trauma myself. It, and the breath, and this is where I think yoga has so much to offer. You know, the breath work, the pranayama um, has so much to offer in terms of the tools we have in dealing with trauma. Um, 
you know, I remember I was in a, a concert years ago and there was this guy that was really, really like out of breath and he was quite far back and it took such a long time for the people to get to him. It was fine, but it was really quite alarming because there was no system to try to reach that guy in the crowd. Fast forward just to this summer, I went to, I had beautiful tickets to Pink's concert and she's amazing. This girl, she's somersaulting, she's singing live, she's doing all, she literally has this like kind of like circus um, tools where she, she kind of somersaults into the crowd. Yeah. Thousands and comes back in. And there's one point she was performing and from her side of her eyes, she saw a guy was struggling and the people around did that. And they actually dealt with it really quickly. And she stopped the show, she, she checked he was okay. And everybody continued, that person got, you know. So there's almost like a societal awareness that's changed that we, we are willing to help a stranger that's struggling. So then why are we so difficult on ourselves? Right. Right. If you go and you faint on the street, trust me, most parts of the world, I believe that people will actually try to help you. So why do people avoid trauma in themselves? It's difficult, right? I mean, it's the, it's the elephant in the room. It's the thing that people don't want to handle. So trauma mm -hmm. is really, really important. And I feel like as yoga practitioners and anyone that's in the healing arts, or it, it, you have such a duty, especially with the pranayama and the, the, the breathing work. Yeah. And I think it's really important for, for yoga instructors to have trauma-informed training yeah. and understanding how words or poses can trigger someone's trauma, especially in more vulnerable poses, right? Yes. Um, yes. And understanding when someone's trauma comes to the surface, because yoga helps us release emotion, right? And that could happen in a yoga class. And if you don't know how to handle that, when that happens to a student, you know, you can just continue perpetuating their trauma, right? Yeah, um, yeah. It's a really good point. And if I touch, I, can, but I like to give examples if that's okay, because I, I believe yeah. that people remember them as well. Um, number one, you never really know what you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, you know, the teachers, it's, 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 it can be quite alarming, right? They're doing a class and somebody, someone cries or, or, you know, all they might say is, you know, lie down in child's pose, but that might not, that might make them feel even worse. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, what, how do they handle it? And I really believe it's so important for uh, students, teachers and, you know, teacher trainees to learn about this because this does pop up because people aren't giving themselves the, the valve, let's use that word valve, to let their emotions express otherwise, you know, work. Maybe they're stunting their communication at work, maybe with their own partner or friendship circle they don't feel comfortable then they're suddenly in this wonderful welcoming open space where there's like patchouli burning in the background and there's like you know and uh -huh. everything is set and suddenly they've got a space where they feel it's a safe space and then emotions come it might be quite overwhelming for them so I think teachers also have to be conscious of clean language and as a therapist I trained in this so clean language is really fascinating because it's like you don't put um, you don't put like your value on something. So if someone's experiencing emotions, you could say you're experiencing something that is uh, that's causing you to uh, cry and feel emotions. You don't say, "Oh, are you feeling sad?" Because you don't know. I cry from happiness. Mm -hmm. Right. It doesn't always mean what you think it is. So we almost have to stop ourselves from kind of jumping ahead and trying to diagnose and just be there and you know for, for them as best as possible. 
Um, I went on a yoga retreat years ago, and I was with with, with my um, with my girlfriend then, and she was feeling really really terrible on the last day, the very last day of the um, of the training. Uh, well, she was a, it was a it was a retreat, so it wasn't a training. And she had some sad news that had come through, and she was really like not feeling well because of that. And I went to the last class, and then the teacher there was like, "Oh, where where is your girlfriend?" And um, I was like, "Oh, she's not feeling well. She's going to stay in bed today." Because I didn't want to share that she's had yeah. this horrible thing happening. And the teacher would look to me. She was like, "Oh, well, it's our closing event. Like, it was the implication was go and get her." So I came back thinking, you know, let me get my my ex. She's now my ex, but let me get her to come to the event. And this always makes me smile because I walked in there and I said, oh, the teacher really wants you to come. She was like, it's not the bloody closing ceremony of the Olympics. <laughs> you know, she was so upset. <laughs> and it was just that thing because we want to create a sangha. We want to create a space, right? But we have to understand that person has what's going on in their life. And that that teacher, it was innocent, but that was her ego coming yes. up right wanting oh well she has to be here it's the closing ceremony no she don't have to be there exactly. you know I when exactly. I went on a yoga retreat I skipped 90% of the classes because I wanted to sleep in <laughs> and the teacher was so cool about it she's like come to what you want and don't come like this is about you this isn't about me this is your space um and I think that's important to note like when stuff like that comes up like oh is that my ego like does that student really need to come here and you know I think what it was was and, and, and in the defense of the teacher running the retreat you know there, there was such a great group rapport through the yeah. trip everybody was hanging out we're having dinner together we were inseparable so it was almost like her her not being present would have been noticed so I think it came from a really good place yeah, absolutely but it, but it put me in a position because then I was yeah. I was in the doghouse for the rest of the day, like <laughs> so, so. So I think I think you know, this is the thing we can touch on, which is is that we don't know people's boundaries and thresholds. Yes, and there has yes. to be a, a real respect that when someone has something going on. And also, what would really be useful for teachers all out there to do is get to know a local GP, get to know a local psychotherapist, get to know a local osteopath. Have someone in your in your repertoire that you know, of, of, of contacts, that someone you can check in with and say, hey, you know, um, I had this situation. Do you have a view on it? And they might say, hey, uh, get the, you know, your, your client to, to message us. We can help them or whatever. And likewise, I'm sure people in those fields will reach out to yoga teachers when they need us. Like, you know, really surround yourself with, because in yoga, one thing, you know, Amy, I find there's a lot of confirmation bias. You know, if you're, if you're having an ischemic attack, the last thing you need someone to tell you is you're having a kundalini rising and your second chakra is in front of your third eye. Right, okay, right. okay, that is not the time for this. That is not useful. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? It's uh, so Absolutely. I, I think we must reach out more. And, and, and yes, we love hanging out with other yogis. I love yogis. I mean, I've, as you mentioned I, earlier, you know, it's 40,000 people I've taught. And, and I've taught people that we all know, like, you know, in the media, I've taught people that are unknown. It doesn't really really matter the point is we're all people but if you keep surrounding yourself with people just similar to you there's going to be conf confirmation bias mm -hmm. where you'll only you won't question things whereas if you get friends that are in different things you're then able to draw and that inspiration and that awareness and feed that into your classes and your relationships and that's going to make you a better teacher it's also going to make a better experience for someone to feel safe 
And I think as teachers, we must always, always create safe spaces for our students. I want my students to cry because if they, if they don't yeah. cry anywhere else, look at the effect that has on imploding all that negative ne negativity. And if they come and they release a few silent tears or okay, they're sobbing, it, it's, it's, you haven't done anything wrong. This is the important thing as teachers. Again, that's the ego. I've done something wrong. No, yep. no, no, it's not about you. Yep. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes. And I heard a really great phrase recently. Um, emotions are just energy passing through. Yeah. And allow it to release and they'll be on their way shortly. Um, and that was so powerful to me. I was like, it just, it, you know, I, I heard the message at the right time. Right. And I was like, wow, that's really powerful. Emotions are just energy passing through us. Yeah, yeah. And it's important to acknowledge those emotions because otherwise, you know, we push them away and push them down and, and, and that's where trauma stored. Right. Um, yeah. And I just thought that was such an incredible way of looking at it. It is. And I think why it's incredible is because um, no emotion is has a function of being consistently the same all the way through. Emotions fluctuate and they should fluctuate because we live in a diverse world, right? And so the mind has, you know, one of the things you probably noticed in my book, I have 21 positive states of being. And we work through that through the asana is because focus on what's what's good, the, the, the good energy. You know, yes, there's darkness, there's hard things that we go through. But if you sit and, and, and worry about that, then all you're going to do is keep attracting that. But at the same time, what we've got to remember is even attaching to the state of bliss indefinitely is a form of hedonism. It's a form of attachment. It's a form of not really the ego saying, I need to always feel compassionate. Okay, well, if you're always going to be compassionate, then how are you going to pay your bills? Like you've <laughs> paid everyone out on the street and, you know, and it's like, or if you're always going to be happy. I mean, I'm in this relationship because I'm happy and I'm leaving it because I'm not happy. Well, how about you fix the problems? Because the grass might not be greener on the other side. So even getting too committed to one state, I think is, is, is really not a good idea. We have to be like nature. We have to flow like a river. Like you said, flow. What's this emotion bringing up? What is it telling me? What is it teaching me? And what are the situations why it's coming up? You know, mm -hmm. I, I give an example. I, like I'm published with one of the most renowned publishers on earth, Rizzoli. And you guys all know Penguin Random House. They do the distribution. They do Harry Potter, mm -hmm. Prince Harry's book, and all this stuff. So I, in my own little world, I'm really proud of it because I'm a first-time author. Absolutely. I went, into, I went into a coffee shop recently in London, and I saw a teacher that used to be on a teacher training that I, that I didn't go on, but I knew her as a teacher. And she says, oh, where have you been? I said, I've been finishing my book and everything. She goes, oh, wow. And she said, she said, oh, I, I, I launched a book once and I did a book and I asked her what the subject was because I was really interested. And she went, oh, it was this subject. I'm late for class, but my book sold 200,000 copies. And I was just like, what do I do with that? Like, you haven't even <laughs> well done about your book. You haven't asked me about my book. You haven't said, how have you been as a student since, you know, I last saw you? It's all about, and this is what I find in yoga. And we have to be very careful about this. Yoga is full of a lot of megalomaniacs. I'm sorry. <laughs> you know, telling Very people, true. Yeah, telling other people it's not about ego, but then they say things which are egotistic, and it's like they cover themselves because they do a mantra at the end of it. I'm sorry, it's not good enough. I think you have to just respect people and have a basic respect for humanity. And I, and I, I believe that. I believe with emotions, if you try to attach to any emotion too long, 
it for me is an indicator that your ego needs a little bit of attention in terms of what what are you or, or your attachment to something you know have you ever had it when you're like in a really sort of like slightly crappy mood and then you have someone that's really chirpy around you right hey, right. You like coffee? hey let's go for a little hey you're just like wow that vibration is just too much uh-huh uh-huh you know what i mean Whereas if they come up to you and they're like a bit more gentle they have gentle conversation hey do you fancy popping out let's go and grab a coffee or tea it's a different scenario so yep. you know i think you're absolutely 100 percent spot on that emotions should move and it's energy in motion if you like right emotion um and they they also our relationship to trauma i mean i've had i've had some trauma in my life and i mean that's a whole that's when me and you go for lunch one day and then i could be booked the whole afternoon now it's probably not for this audience today but i remember one of the particular events uh, alongside losing one of my nephews who was very young young was four years old was i feel sad around certain days like it was his birthday mm-hmm. birthday day or you know the day of his passing when he died and it was an unexpected you know passing so it was very difficult for the whole family um and then i remembered that as years went on i i would still feel upset and emotional about it but his family would be celebrating his birthday although he was not here so i realized that there was something in that memory that would trigger me, that would trigger the child self in me or the uncle who wanted to look after him and or my my sister who lost her son, you know. So so emotions, they don't stay the same and they're not always related purely to crying. And this is the thing we've got to break. Just because yeah. someone's crying or they're sad. A lot of people, still yeah. waters run deep, doesn't it, Amy? Some people mm-hmm. you would not know, you know, and then there's lots going on. And how do we help those people through yoga, right? Right. And some of the most happy, chipper people you meet might be dealing with some of the darkest, ugly trauma. And you would never guess it, right? Because they're they're just outwardly so happy. Um, And that's why you can't judge a book by its cover, right? Exactly. Um, That's the same thing they say sometimes when they interview neighbors when they discover there's a serial killer. Exactly. Oh, so nice. <laughs> I'm not saying those two things add up, but I, I'm just trying to say it proves our point that what we what what we need to do is change our definition of when mm-hmm. we think when someone's okay. And that's why I really recommend, even if it's not your calling to be a doctor. Um, I mean, I, I know some people go into yoga therapy and they learn, um, you know, psychotherapy and all kinds of things. And and my view is, when you do yoga, do it fully. And of course, it's more than enough. Don't ever feel an imposter syndrome of your yogi. You are meant to be mm. doing what you're meant to be mm-hmm. doing. You don't have to do all these other things to be validated. You are good enough to be teaching yoga. But when you start to have an additional passion, like yoga and dance, then you bring that in, or yoga and psychotherapy, or, or yoga and spinal health, or yoga and, for example, your mind, and you do that, then you, 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 you sort of you, you evoke a very curious relationship, which is so useful for you and your students. Whereas if you mm-hmm. just stay in, like my guru told me this, and this is what he did, and I went to a you know uh, ashram in India, and this you know this period, and I'm going to follow that through. And we're like, okay, great, but broaden broaden your awareness. I think people need to do that, and it will make them better teachers as well. Mm-hmm. And better humans. I mean, yeah, the yoga has so much to teach us in so many ways. Exactly. Exactly. And one thing that was kind of coming up for me when we were talking earlier too, it you know like not judging our emotions right like yoga teaches us not to judge and put labels on things like 
you know, don't label it as good or bad. It just is. And just be present with it in that moment. And again, it's just energy moving through us and it, and it will eventually pass. I mean, I, I have a tattoo on my arm that says this too shall pass. Um, just as that reminder that everything always passes. We, we're not going to be stuck in this position forever. Yes. And I think this is the important um, and may, may I add, it's, it's a very strong Buddhist concept of impermanence, that the, the concept, and actually it's not just Buddhist, it's actually all of us can learn from the seasons even, that they change, is, is the notion that nothing is permanent and be okay with yeah. that. And then as you said, you know, and I notice if you bring your, your tattoo up again, can, can I have a look at it? I notice you're writing it, you're writing it for someone else to read, not for you to read, which tells me a lot about your character. So if you, if you wanted it to be a mantra for yourself, you'd have put it on the inner forearm, but this must mean that you're like, if you need a timeout, you can just be like that, like a superhero. (laughs) (laughs) So you may or may not know this about me. I was a photographer for 25 years and I didn't get this till towards the end of my career. Um, But it was always interesting when I'd hold the camera up and people would turn their heads to read what my arm said. (laughs) Exactly. But, but I think it's quite clever because this means that, you know, if, if, you, if you have someone that's very needy, because also sometimes people that don't do their own work, that we have to be responsible. My years being a therapist, and I still, I still uh, take clients. I mean, I still see clients for coaching because I love it. I love helping people. Um, ultimately, they have to get to a point of responsibility, right, where they take responsibility yes. for their hardship or their trauma. And if we don't do the work ourselves. We just lean quite disproportionately on other people. So for you, having that tattoo is great because if, if someone is just like doing your, we say in the UK, doing your head in, so like literally they're constantly coming at you, needy, you can just put your forearm like that and they'll read it. <laughs> <laughs> it could be a, a good way, a gentle way to get the message across. Yes. But, uh, yeah. No, it's, 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 it will pass. And, you know, uh, one of the really amazing lady, uh, uh, did you, after yoga, we sat and had breakfast. You, you all know her, Oprah, amazing. We're in the Himalayas. And uh, sitting ha- at breakfast and having conversations about yoga and so on. And, you know, one of the things I, I find is that when you look at, you know, people and how they need to express. I mean, Oprah is the person everybody want, has been on her sofa and they share. This need to express is so great. But then is it so great that it's disproportionately weighing on someone else? Am I, if, I'm, if I didn't, if I am not afraid, if I'm afraid to make these changes, does that mean that I'm disproportionately lay, making my trauma a traumatic experience to someone else? Mm. And so I, I think that it's really great to express. We live in times where everybody wants to express. Everybody, you could you could find anyone, Amy, um, not including your guests who you speak to, obviously on the show, who will tell you ask them a question. They'll tell you about 1972 when they first met the guy that they didn't marry, and you can get into a conversation if you just open up and ask people to talk. Everybody wants to yes. express things. But what do they do with that? What is the weight that has on other people? And I'm always conscious of that, the constellation. And I believe that with trauma, you must you must lean out and you you, you know and and get help where where you can. And, and in fact, one of um, Oprah's editors, she wrote a beautiful piece, not not through Oprah but through another magazine about suicide. And she said something along the lines that um, a lot of the people that actually try to kill themselves. They don't, they don't try again, and they live on lives until their natural yep. death. And she's also said a lot of people in the article um, that, that um, you know, uh, that do, do consider killing 
planned to kill themselves, they decide quite impulsively a few hours before. So it's not like they're sitting there making it. So, so it just means that there's a window that we can really help people to say, hey, yeah. most people that do it don't, don't, you know, they end up living normally and their normal lives. And all the people, that means they didn't survive. Such a sad story, right? And then she also says that there was one guy, uh, he, he saw in the, gold, I think the Golden Great Bridge or something, there were a lot of people there who would actually walk up and, up and along the, the, you know, talking to people who are, you know, either just there for a long time or who are sad. And he would, he would make it his mission. And then he said he got so, what tied him eventually was the, the kind of negativity he received from drivers and joggers. They were just like, they found him an inconvenience. So it shows you there's parts of society that's so compassionate and there's parts mm-hmm. of society that's so dismissive. And how yep. people handle trauma varies, right? Yeah. It's very divisive. Right. Yes. Those those two different like I can't comprehend how somebody can be that uncaring and they can't comprehend how we can be. Right. So like it's very d- divisive um, and very you, harmful. What do you think of that? What, what 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 in your view, why do you think that is that divisiveness? That's a great question. Um you know, I think it's because each side probably thinks that they're right and the other side's wrong. Um, and you just, you butt heads on it. And, you know, we're seeing it, particularly here in America, we're seeing it very strongly right now. Um, and it, it's very worrisome, very yeah. worrisome. Well, I think it's also the notion of how we celebrate strength and we. And how we define, mm. you know, this is the thing, you know, like and yeah. this. And if you look at, I mean, the connection between that and socioeconomic climates, political climates, geopolitics, uh, you know, all kinds of things. Whenever people get touchy, it's because they feel that their rights are being infringed compared to someone else's. So a yeah. jogger feeling like someone's in their way. I mean, I can't even imagine that pushing someone out of the way because he's helping people not, you know, kill themselves. And yeah. you, you want to get, you know, your job done. But but in that mindset of that individual, we also don't know. Again, it's we have to come back to what you said right in the beginning. We're truly going to be yogis of non-judgment, right? What's yeah. happening in that runner's mind? You know, okay, we might not agree that behavior is okay, but what's happening societally that we, 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 we feel uncomfortable around these subjects? And I think when we have su- subjects that are uncomfortable, that's the, very much the subjects that we need to talk about. Absolutely. You know? Look at mm-hmm. look at things like um, you know uh, uh, childhood childhood sexual abuse. It was something that was hushed up for years. Yep. You know, and institutions, uh, individuals, perpetrators, they were able to get away with what would, would never be able to get away with now. And the guardianship we've done now, the safeguarding we have of children through the educational system, through the way we can as best as we can, and that did, simply did not exist thirty years ago. Yeah. So we have to believe. Yes, there are parts of um, society that are taking longer to catch up and then other parts of our society where we are really progressing like you know almost like if you imagine the chakras as lifts some people are going up to the, the penthouse the seventh floor a lot more than others that are stuck in the basement or coming up to second floor third floor you know so it's yeah it, it's 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 I mean from a yoga viewpoint I mean with the age of Kali Yoga so the age of Kali, which is quite a tough age, 
Um, and I mean, because you know, this is my book, it's a lot about Vedic cosmology and yoga put together. You know, the, it's a very interesting time that we live in. Mm-hmm. We're like in a crucible, and all these things are sort of coming at us at the same time. And that's why yoga is so important when we have classes and people come in, you know, whether they have, they, they, they feel a bit upset because they're releasing something or they de stress. I've been to some classes as a student where the teacher said some things and it's just literally changed my week to the better week. Just literally changed my week to a better week. Mm-hmm. Because I was like, wow, that, that's really interesting the way they did that Sankalpa or I really appreciated it, how they handled that, you know, the philosophy in that session. And it's, 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 we have, we're like, we are like therapists if you like it, but we mustn't think we are somehow right. psychotherapists because you have their training. And I always think that as, as, as it comes, you almost have to do the work energetically yourself. If someone is sharing things with you that's heavy, you have a duty to not be heavy in yourself from it. So don't ruminate too much about it. It is, you know, something you do. And I know it's a big part of who we are. A dentist probably doesn't go home thinking about his patients, but yoga teachers do because invariably right. we're dealing with so many different things. Um, so we almost have to have a valve in ourselves. I think yoga teachers need to definitely do their own yoga practice and also yep. they should go to yoga teachers' classes yep. and just experience the benefit of that. Don't make your diary so chocker blocked out that you're that you you're teaching nonstop. And I know some will say, well, that, that's a reality, you know. I have to pay my bills. And you're like, yeah, but okay, but don't take that on too much. Are you telling me one less class? And if you went to do something, and again, even if it's not yoga, it might be planting or walking or swimming or another yoga class, that could give you so much positive energy that even helps you lift from that situation that you're in where you feel you have to do so many classes. I mean, yoga teachers work really hard. Yes. You know, they work really hard. And especially if you think of independent teachers, they're moving between classes, jumping between once they're teaching a class, then they're going to one-to-one. And then if they miss a connection, then they're late for the next one. And if a client cancels, they, they some might cancel and they respect their payment terms. Others might make it awkward and not book with them again. You know, so it's like they're dealing with all of this. So, you know, they're urban warriors. Like, yeah. You know, they have to look, I think yoga teachers have to look after themselves massively. Yeah. You know, this summer, um, I had yoga at the river and each week I brought in a different teacher. And so each week I was experiencing, experiencing a different teacher's style. And it was so um, like every Monday morning after Sunday, I woke up just like ready for the week, um, having experienced somebody else's yoga class. Cause I think we teach, teach, teach classes, and we don't get that opportunity to experience a class because it's very different instructing a class versus being in a class. And um, I agree. Yeah. We all need to be going to class as well. And also, if you are on the other side where you're a teacher receiving another teacher coming in, don't assume that they're judging everything you do. You know, one thing mm, I noticed uh-uh. a lot, I mean, and, and, and I, I slip in. They're probably more freaked out that I'm in their class than I am. Yeah. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, that's why often, that's why often, um, I mean, I, I literally go into the room, um, depending on the, the teacher that's teaching, um, I might go in a bit before and chat with them, you know, to just see how they are. Other times I just come and slip in in the back of the room because I don't want them to, like, focus on me. But one thing I do notice, because I've, te- I've taught a lot of uh, teachers and students through the years, um, is 
when I go into classes, I notice that they always overdo the alignment points because they kind of want to <laughs> show me that, that every alignment point is being done and every, you know, it's like, don't worry, you know, read the room. You know what I mean? If you're there and yes, you might have a teacher, the best thing for the teacher to do, if you're a student, you know, uh, and you're going to another teacher's class, yeah, you know, you're like a sponge because you're learning, you're, you're observing and you've got that mindset, you're learning. But, but, you know, when you are a teacher and you're there, you know, put that book away. You know, don't sit there and think what you would say. Yes, they might have done the left and the right, so what? You know, yada, yada, yada. It's like, just, just, you know, it's just be there. Be there with yourself. Mm -hmm. I believe it's so important for yoga teachers to be eternal students. Yeah. Because I believe when you, when you stop in life, the, 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 the school yep. of life, I believe the day you stop learning is the very last day of your life. So when why you would stop you stop growing? Mm -hmm. You stop growing, right? Um, and and I mean, I don't know how I feel about it because I I do feel that 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 there is this kind of inheritance that's come from inherited way of this guru and devotee or teacher student thing that's kind of been mapped over from that 20th century yoga. You meet some of these younger kids, millennials, they don't care about that. They don't care about your age. They don't care about your gender. They don't care about your sexuality. They just yeah. want to experience it. And then, then you've got this teacher walking in and everyone's like the entourage are there or like this, the favorite, the, the, the people that have been on retreats get a hug and a, and a, you know, but the people that haven't, they don't remember their name. It's like, come on, it's just like so 20th yeah. century. Yeah. Be, read, you know, be there because what a gift that individuals come into your room, whoever mm -hmm. they are. And so I, I, that's the part I don't like. And I think it puts a lot of people off yoga. It's too creepy. I agree. You know, and I, I don't think that's, I think, I think we can't help but make friends. And I'm not saying that we should fake being close to people. But if you create a great space, and I, I, I think it's so important for teachers to learn students' names. You know, mm -hmm. it's, it's, I, would, I would say it's as important as learning and remembering your sequencing of what you're doing. And if someone comes to your class more than three times, do what you can at least to remember the name because it makes a lot of, it makes such Huge. a difference. Huge mm -hmm. difference. Um, but you know, it's, and also, uh, also read the room in the sense that some people are more introverts. So I've noticed also some yes. teachers, they will name, they'll say, John, bring down the left leg or uh, Sarah, remember your injury on the left, right knee. It's like, well, maybe Sarah doesn't want the whole room to know. It, yes. Knee. You know, it's like, you got to, you got to tune it rightly and find the, the voice, I call it the plenary voice, where you're speaking loud. When I when I walk around and I'm adjusting, I'm teaching, as I do it, I, I move into the sequencing where, I, where, I, where it's possible and needed, but I'll change the volume of my voice when I'm near a student or if there's an alignment point I see that's useful, that could be useful for the whole room, I will make sure I, I mm -hmm. express that. So it's, it's like there's that voice that you have and and really a good yoga teacher should be like a great jacket, you know, you can't see the thread. Does that make sense? It's just like, yeah. we, we, rather than, you know, you're there in the front of the room and you have everyone going, oh, I'm Shanti to the teacher. I mean, come on, 21st century, we, we, we're moving now towards spirituality much more than this, you know, reverence that, that I think, I think it's, I, I don't think it's needed. I think what the world needs now, Amy, to be honest, is spiritual people. Not people yeah. saying that this is this and that is that and you're not doing this properly and and yes. and, and I think yoga we, we really we, yes we want to we want to you know we want to honor the gurus and the, the the different things that we've learned and you can do that in a philosophical way but please don't assume that everyone's going to be on board mm -hmm. and or not not be thought 
awkward event if they are not on board, you know? Absolutely. Well, Leo, we are just about out of time. I could chat with you literally all day. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I want to make sure we take a moment to just mention how people can find you. Um, mm -hmm. Your website is ysyoga.co.uk, which wherever you're listening, there is a clickable link in the show notes. So you can click through and find that link. Um, and your book, your book is available. You hold that book up to show everyone. Yeah. Yes. You've got I got better, you've got Give me a second to get back there and lift up this beautiful. Are you ready, beast. people? This is a, <laughs> this is a, a great uh, a sort of uh, exercise for today. World of yoga. And look, you got to you got to shimmy it so they see the gold. So you see that gold <laughs> in the title. It's beautiful. Oh, there it is. Beautiful. And um, yeah, and you know, people can, and the great thing about the book is they can do sequences on there. And uh, if they're not, and I travel a lot, I'm doing a big festival in Kenya. Every year I do it, the 400 yogis come from all around the world. Uh, I often come to the US um, and I'm, you know, in the US as well. So you can find me, if not through uh, online, I also do retreats as well. So I'm sure they'll find a way to connect. And, I'm, and, and also, Amy, the off screen, which you guys haven't seen, she has had an official invite to London from me as well. <laughs> she's, she's on her to do list. So you can add me as a friend for your visit as well. We'll directly grab a child. I am taking you up oh. on that lunch. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. Wonderful. Well, Leo, thank you so much for being here today and just sharing all of your beautiful wisdom with our listeners. And likewise, you too. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And, uh, and yeah, stay well, be well, and travel light. Mm. And thank you, everyone, for listening. I hope you have enjoyed today's episode. Please consider leaving a five-star review wherever you are listening to help others on their wellness journey discover this podcast. And be sure to head to MN Yoga Life and join our email list to stay in the know of local events, the upcoming conference, and so much more. Have a wonderful day, everyone, and I will see you in the next episode.